Welcome, welcome, welcome. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, everyone. This is your host for Alika Hope and Change, Change, also known as Emil, with our engineer, Jamie. Hello, and I will not pretend to be Hope, <laughs> although I'm very hopeful, <laughs> but I will stand in the best I can. So tonight we have a special, uh, a special episode where we're looking at something very specific. So this is the hope and change in college enrollments. And what Alik and I were talking about as we discussed this episode was there's this very interesting trend happening in the world of higher education. So as we were talking, we were talking about, we were reminiscing about our times. I went to the Air Force Academy. She went to Notre Dame. Jamie, I don't know what undergrad you went to. Did you, where did you go to school? I actually had a little bit of um, a, let's see, how should I put this? Um, I had two stages of college. Uh-huh. <laughs> I had the stage uh-huh. of college when you first go to college when you're 18. Mm-hmm. And due to financial reasons and other reasons, um, I ended up not finishing at that point. And then later in life, going and finishing my uh, bachelor's with um, Berkeley, Berkeley College of Music. Absolutely a fantastic place to uh, graduate from. Mm -hmm. And the fact that it took you time meant that life was a better college for you at that part of your life. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I kind of got on the job training (laughs) in what I do. It sounds to me you had to kind of take the diversion in order to appreciate what higher education could offer you. Um, It was really a matter of finding out what I wanted to do. You know, what I really found where my passion was and not the trappings of an 18 year old who was being told from left, right and center and back what you should be studying, you know, what you should be doing, what's practical, you know, especially in a business like music, like audio, you know, like what I do for a living. Um, You hear a lot of talk of, Oh, well, what's your backup plan? (laughs) You know, what's your backup plan? What, what are you going to do to be able to provide for a family? What are you going to do to provide for yourself? Right. So you, you feel like your options are limited and me just being a person who likes to think ahead and likes to be practical and who likes to make sure that I'm effective at what I do. It's like, well, I need to be serious. I need to go get a job. I need to go do this. I need to, I need to not dream you fell too for the much. Trap. In you a way. Fell for the trap. But no, I'm glad because I ended up not making my own education, but really diving in in different ways, which informed me, which made me go back and finish. Right. <laughs> so it was kind of like I always joke. I'm like, oh, I ended up on the same path, but just a very different way. Ended up in the same place I wanted to be, but a little bit later than I had expected. I, but I, oh, nonetheless, I, I still ended up here. I so. think it's a trap, and and um, <laughs> to the to the horror of many of our parents who are listeners right now, I think mm-hmm. adulthood is a trap. I think uh, <laughs> we push our children too fast, too quickly. Yeah. I agree with that. Um, to make decisions for the for the next 40 or 50 years at 17, 18 years old. Like, what do you want to be when you grow up? When we answered that question, we were five. It was great. Mm-hmm. I want to be a superhero, police officer, firefighter. I want to be a pilot, an astronaut. I want right. to be a, a I want to be a unicorn. I mean, <laughs> we had such imagination. It was great. And then one day they asked that same question and you couldn't be a unicorn anymore. Yep. 
<laughs> you couldn't be an astronaut. You had to be, quote unquote, and I hate this word because it always applies in a negative sense, serious. Yes. You, you had to be, be serious. serious. You got to you be serious. get serious about your future. That's what mm-hmm. they, that was the word that was always attached to, to like future and serious always went in the same sentence. Yeah. And I felt, I was like, I don't, what, I'm 17. Mm-hmm. I don't know what serious even means. Mm-hmm. What gra- <laughs> Now, I was, you know, foolhardy enough to believe that I could plan out my future for the next 10 years at 17 years old. Mm -hmm. So I made a 10-year commitment to join the Air Force through the Air Force Academy. Um, And that 10-year commitment wasn't mandatory, but I knew if I graduated from the Air Force Academy and spent time on active duty, that was 10 years of my life. But I still did not know 100% that that was what I intended to do for my whole life. And I can tell you 35 years after that day where I made that very serious decision, my life looks nothing like what I thought it did at 17. Absolutely. You, you don't know that far ahead. <laughs> you don't. And I agree with you in that sense that it is a trap because you want to be prepared, but at the same time, what are you really selling you know, to, to, to young people? Be serious, especially young men. It's like, be serious. You've got to be serious. You've got to have a career. You've got to have right. get ready for this because oh, that's going to be hard. And with, 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 with the lack of imagination that's there. You know, with that pressure, it's, it's always about, you know, you know, find a job, pay the bills, support a family. Mm-hmm. You know, right. you want to be a good husband, father, you know, community, you know, role model pillar of the community. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, like it's a very rote sort of thing. And none of those are bad in and of themselves. Asking a 17 year old mm-hmm. to figure out what that looks like. For the next 30 years, I think is a bit absurd. I'm mm-hmm. not saying they shouldn't think about it, yes. but part of the part of the challenge is that our young people today are being asked to think about these things in a world where um, a YouTube personality might make a hundred million dollars by the time they're 30. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Which, and, by the and, way, kids listening. Um, that's a rare thing too. <laughs> I'm not saying don't go for the YouTube dream, but <laughs> you know, not everyone's going to get to do that. Just like any other industry, there's going to be the magnates of that industry. Then there's going to be a bunch of other people that try and do it and follow suit and aren't as successful. And then we'll have another industry where there's the greats and the leaders and the innovators. You know, doesn't mean they shouldn't try, but those dreams of you know being a, I'm going to be a fashion designer, YouTuber, and a skateboarder. It's like Dream, yes, but dream in other directions. Have imagination. Don't just follow the pack. Some because people, th- 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 that's the same thing. It's like if good, just get a job is following the pack, or doing the cool thing is following the pack. You know, it, it's 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 hard for people to understand what you just said because <laughs> I I want I want people, especially young people, uh, especially if you're listening, um, it's not a backup plan. Yeah. You're just not the same person at 17 as you are 30, right. as you are 50. Exactly. So it's not about being, you know, saying, well, if you don't win here, what is your backup plan? It's more like, can you keep your aperture open wide enough? Bingo. That you can pivot when you find out that what you thought you wanted isn't what you wanted for whatever mm-hmm. reason. Mm-hmm. And when you make that pivot, if you have the right education, if you have the right training, if you have the right mindset, then perhaps when you make that pivot, it won't be so hard to create the opportunities you would like in the near future from that pivot. Yes. That is a vastly different mindset than what's your backup plan. 
Right. Oh, you'll, exactly. you'll never get that. You'll never. How are you? going? No, it's not a backup plan. It's an mm-hmm. opportunity to learn from the life you've lived and make a change that suits you. Exactly. And, you know, backup plan has this really nasty connotation like you failed miserably. <laughs> you are never going to get what you want out of life. So here's your substitute life right. that will be at best acceptable and at worst miserable. Mm-hmm. And you'll get to pay your bills. <laughs> but, but you'll have lights and food and misery all in the same house. <laughs> so this, backup, this, this backup plan mindset has driven me crazy since I was 17. Now, mm-hmm. again, I, you know, I took a very practical route, but I was the first person in my, in my, uh, and now that I had plenty of college graduates in my family, plenty of people in my father served in the military for a little while, but I was the first one to go to a service Academy wow. and see the military as a potential career. Mm-hmm. I didn't have anybody in my immediate family on either side who had uh, been in the military for a career. They had served two, three, four years, and then they were done. So mm-hmm. for me, the military as a career option was very important, Yeah, but it wasn't a backup plan. It wasn't a primary plan. It was just the plan. And mm-hmm. then I said, when I get older, I'll be able to make a new plan. Right. And, and the idea that you can shift and pivot and turn it into something else is something that's really great. You know, when we do. get back, we're going to talk more about shifting and pivoting. We're going to talk more about how college and how men in getting in college are really getting along. So this ought to be a very interesting episode. Interlude music by Lawrence V. White. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking about uh, the hope and change in college admissions, especially for men, because there is a trend. And as we talked about in the last segment, um, people have been given this this sales job. And I'm going to call it a sales job, Jamie. I'm going to call <laughs> it ahead. a sales job. I agree. <laughs> They've been told if they want to be, quote unquote, successful, they got to go to college. Then they got to get a job. Then they got to get a get married, then they got to have a family. And there's this very specific sequence of events. If you deviate from it, somehow you are wrong, bad, or a failure, or, you know, heaven forbid, you are different. Mm-hmm. Now, if I may, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to interview you for a second. In your experience, and you've lived overseas, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. So you've lived overseas. Is this a, an American cultural thing where... You go to college, you do this, you get the job, you get the career. Is that true in other places like Europe or Asia that you've noticed? Um, Interesting you where, ask. Where, you know, because I know it, the dynamics of a lot of different culture that are, is very different in other countries, but specifically with this, what so have you I, seen? What have you I seen? Lived in, I lived in uh, a, ver- r- a very rural part of Portugal called the Azores Islands. Yes. I also lived in Japan. Yes. And uh, those two cultures, vastly different. Um, the rural culture of the Azores, you had a much more agrarian community. They were ranchers. They had cattle specifically, but mm-hmm. not exclusively. Mm-hmm. So um, the farm life was something very, very regular. So young men were expected to be part of that if they weren't living in the smaller cities. And, and uh, But they would follow in footsteps. Often they would follow in, in terms of trade. Something you learn uh, that I learned when I was in 
Portugal specifically, but Europe in general, is that men typically have a much more clear path toward a trade uh, than they do in America. Mm -hmm. Through apprenticeships, through, um, you know, what either within the family or within the neighborhood or within the community, there's typically a very clear path to a trade through apprenticeship. Mm -hmm. um, whereas in America, as we well know, that is not, it, there's a path, but it's not as clear cut as it is in Europe. Whereas in Japan, they're a little bit more like us, but the Japanese practice a concept called ikigai, something that I write about in my book. You've mm -hmm. heard me say about it. It's, yes. You know, finding your purpose. Mm -hmm. And one of the neatest things I learned when I was in Japan for young people is if you don't know what your purpose is, your purpose is figuring out what your purpose is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you kind of have to now they'll you know, they want you to have a base of education. They're one of the you know most highly regimented education systems in the world. But the but the principle is the education gives you the foundation to figure out what your purpose is. And then whether it's in play or in work, when you discover it, you're prepared to attack it with all fury and, and vigor. Mm -hmm. That is vastly different than where we're much more laissez-faire unless you come from a family with some you know, very specific history here in America. Yeah. We are like, figure it out. But whatever you figure out, it needs to follow these. It has to follow mm -hmm. this very specific sequence, the sales job that we're telling yes. our children. Yes. So I think those two cultures have a much more clearly laid out way to become an adult than in America, where it's a lot more nebulous. Gotcha. Okay. There's a pathway. There's mo much more of what you mean nebulous in the sense of America of figure it out. Like yeah. go to your guidance counselor who mm -hmm. may or may not be on your side in that way. Right. And you sort of have to sort you know, plan it out. Like, you know, what do you want? You're 16, you're 17 and your guidance counselor who's, you know, like I remember my guidance counselor, shout out to Miss Chris Iverson, mm -hmm. just an amazing woman who helped me get into the air force Academy. But um, I had, you know, my, my serious moment was with my mother mm -hmm. when I was uh, 16 years old. And um, she asked me the question that changed my whole world. She looked me dead in the eye. I'm 16 years old. Mm -hmm. I'm a, I'm a junior about to be a senior. Yeah. And she says, how are you paying for college? Oh yeah. That's serious. That went, <laughs> That's going to change I, your path. Definitely. Whatever I thought, <laughs> whatever I thought tomorrow looked like it changed mm -hmm. in that moment. Now, if you ask her, mom, if you're listening, I'm still calling you out because you asked me that question and my mother will say she didn't, but mm -hmm. she did. And it's indelible. I remember it clearly because she wasn't smiling. Mm-hmm. She was serious as stone. And I wow. said, but mom, and she said, I, I've done my job. You're going to graduate from high school next year. Wow. I know you know how to do this. Mm -hmm. And um, where I was flirting with the Air Force Academy, I started dating the Air Force Academy. <laughs> I was serious about getting into that institution because mm -hmm. that was my way of paying for college. Fortunately, I had some scholarships and other stuff come to me that gave me, you know, I had options. Yeah. But the Air Force Academy became a very serious pursuit after that question. Mm -hmm. And I know there are a lot of young men and women who have to answer that question themselves. Yes, yes, because there's a lot that can't afford <laughs> or the families can't afford it, so they have to find a way to make it work. You know, and some unfortunately means that they have to go to work, you know, <laughs> without pursuing the dream of going to college as well as working. You right. Know, for me coming up, part of the reason that I and you know, I come from a family of you know, very blue collar, you know, from the South, from the great migration, people who didn't go to college 
And the people in my generation, you know, the Gen X kids, all born in the 70s, were some of the first to actually consider going to college first, you know, and they love that idea, you know, especially as a young, you know, a, a young male um, man of color was, oh, you should, you should go to school and not for follow the path, you know, the narrow path of, all right, go to school and then get a job and then do this. I had that from some areas, but my grand, my grandfather specifically really just wanted to see me educate myself and expose myself to new things and right. not have to go through what he did as a laborer. You know, he worked in, you know, he was a sharecropper and he worked in slaughterhouses in Alabama and he wanted to make sure that wow. we were evolving, <laughs> you know, that we didn't have to resort to having to do that. You know, it's part of the very, reason that people moved away from those areas, the Great Migration, was you know to pursue higher-paying jobs and higher education. So my grandparents moved from Birmingham, Alabama. My mother's yep. parents moved from Birmingham, Alabama, out to Portland, Oregon mm -hmm. during the war, yep. just for that reason. They were yep. like, uh, there was Better a big steel company mm -hmm. that was recruiting uh, skilled or semi-skilled labor from the south, and they were saying, mm -hmm. "Come out to the Northwest." and a lot of people were like, it sure is better than here. Yeah. And the wages were better and the opportunities were better, which is funny mm -hmm. for many reasons that we won't get into historically. But what I will say is that that mindset of parents who said, I just want to send my children to college because it's a better way mm -hmm. of interacting with the world at large yes. has kind of fallen by the wayside. Yes, and it has. It's, mm -hmm. it's a very interesting phenomenon as right now, in college, 60% of enrolled uh, students in college are women mm -hmm. and 40% are men. Mm -hmm. And clearly, you know, especially given what happened after World War II with the GI Bill and how many yeah. men literally flooded colleges because they could afford it with the GI Bill, mm -hmm. how that in that 70 year span since the end of World War II has really transformed the face of higher education has just transformed. Mm -hmm. It was women were barely in higher education, and now they are the majority of higher yeah. education. So this dynamic over that last 70 years, there's just been this very specific shift between how men see the future uh, through mm -hmm. education and how women see the future through education. And Alika had asked both of us to kind of comment on this. And as we're getting close to the, to the next break, Mm -hmm. And we're going to really spend some time on this in the next segment. But the thing I want to end this segment with is this thought that perhaps with the many new methods and means by which an individual can earn an income, not, mm -hmm. not necessarily going through college, but yes. all of the ways that we can earn an income, perhaps trade schools and other things that were once looked down upon because mm -hmm. higher education was the focus yeah. are becoming more in vogue as mm -hmm. the pendulum has swung back. Right, and, and the idea of having a bachelor's degree or some kind of certification can be on equal footing because the paths can be very different. When we come back after this break, we're gonna talk a lot more about this shift into demographics from male-dominated higher education to women-dominating higher education. Interlude music by Lawrence V. White. Welcome 
Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We are getting into the meat of a very interesting phenomenon happening here in America. Higher education, which was dominated by men about 75 years ago, is now dominated by women in 2020. Mm -hmm. In fact, according to the latest statistics, from about 2019, roughly 60% of all undergraduates in higher education are women and about 40% are men. And this transformation is stark. So I, I had to ask Jamie, I said, mm-hmm. where do the men go? What's mm. happening? Mm-hmm. In the last 15 years, so the best data comes from 2014, but between 1999 and 2014, trade school enrollments went up by 60%. Ooh, seems and like I there's said, a correlation. There's at <laughs> least a partial explanation that Mm -hmm. there's a need for skilled labor in America that isn't being met. Now, if you go and look at more of the statistics and you flesh this picture out, you begin to see that skilled trades like um, plumbing, heating, ventilation, and air conditioning, auto mechanic, very skilled trades are in desperate need of more workers. Mm -hmm. And maybe that explains part of it. Uh, There's also a need for knowledge workers who don't need degrees. Whereas 25 years ago, when you and I were thinking about going to college or Mm -hmm. 30 years ago, a knowledge worker definitely needed a master's degree or a a bachelor's degree. Yep, at least a bachelor's degree, correct. But today you have teenagers who are building apps, teenagers who are writing, building websites and writing programs. Mm -hmm. And you have people who do not have formal four-year degrees who are knowledge workers making six figures. Mm -hmm. So that is another important explanation that college is no longer the gateway to becoming a Mm well-paid knowledge worker. Mm -hmm. And then I said, what else is going on? So I was looking because I'm, you know. (laughs) You were digging, you were digging deep, that's great. I was digking, I was really (laughs) trying to figure this out. And Mm -hmm. then I said, oh, although it's a minuscule amount of the workforce, there are, New jobs that didn't exist mm-hmm. 40 years ago. Yes, absolutely. Video game, professional video game players. Mm-hmm. Esports is what e-sports. we call esports. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, this whole social media phenomenon. There's mm-hmm. um, entrepreneurship on a whole nother level because now without a degree, you can actually get an entire education on YouTube about how to be an entrepreneur and what business to start and how to start it and how to make money doing it. Right. And how to sell it to people. <laughs> That's the other part of it. Free. Marketing has changed. Marketing has changed tremendously the from having to have a from having to have a marketing degree all um to being able to learn how to market on social media and TikTok and Instagram and all that stuff has completely changed. And there are people who are killing it. And I don't mean killing it like, oh, my gosh, they're making millions of dollars. I'm talking mm-hmm. about making $6,000, $5,000, $12,000 a month, mm-hmm. you know, which is a very comfortable uh, middle income for a lot mm-hmm. of America mm-hmm. without necessarily having to go get another degree right. So or a degree. So there's mm-hmm. this combination of factors that when you look at it, I won't say it explains fully, but it begins to explain. Mm-hmm. where women are looking at a much more traditional, formerly traditional, let's use that word, a formerly traditional way of building their career path through mm-hmm. college, men are seeing a plethora of other opportunities. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I have to ask you, Jamie. Yes. Do you think I'm a, I'm I'm being serious, but I'm a, I'm la- I'm laughing too. Go ahead. Do you think young men are just a little lazier than they were once in the past? Um, I think two things. This is a two part answer. I'm going to fork it. I'm going to go on, on a little tangent here as well. Um. I don't think they're lazier necessarily, but I think the immediate need for a result when it comes to a career is definitely more stressed and more important nowadays. Success has to be instantaneous or quicker mm. than going through four years of a bachelor's and then the master's in business or the, you know, mm-hmm. I think that the immediate need of visibility, of career visibility, of the money that you can make if you just get this quick, you know, I, side note to music, I see all these like ads for learn guitar in the day and, and you know, wow. and do this now and quick. You can get it, you know, you can accelerate your program, get a certificate in a year instead of the traditional four to seven years it takes. So I think that's part of it. Um, the other part of it, I think, has to do with, you know, let's see, how should I put this? You know, the disparity between what men make and what women make. You know, right. women have to have the bachelors to be taken seriously. Where if the man just works hard and, you know, gets puts a little elbow grease in, then he can make it to the top. You know, I think there's still a, some sexism in there. <laughs> you know, where in order for a woman to get the equivalent job, she has to have all this proof, you know, right. of the bachelors and the masters and this many years at this firm and this many years teaching to be even taken seriously by a group of men who started in the mailroom. You know what I mean? I I think there is some, some um, blatant and blatant sexism in there as well, which might be the other reason why the numbers are different because men think I can just make it on my own volition where women, you know, have been told that, Oh, you need to go to school. You need to, and they're told other things too. Oh, you have to quit school so you can have kids. And you know, there's a lot of sexism wrapped inside of that. It's really more I, complicated than that. But I think that might a, be part so of it. So that is a very interesting fork, and I appreciate mm-hmm. you, you know, you know, bringing that out because yeah. I I would like to dispel the myth that mm-hmm. you know uh, that you know men are lazier. When you what you said, I think is very eloquent and very important. That the need for results is driving a lot. I I, mm-hmm. I had to I again digging deep trying to figure this out. I said, well, let's go to medical school. That's a very Mm -hmm. traditionally male sort of Mm -hmm. dominated uh, field where, you know, doctors. But now in 2020, according to the American Academy of Medical Colleges, Mm -hmm. there was for two years in a row, the second year in a row was 2020, uh, women made up by a slight majority, most of the applicants and matriculants or graduates of medical colleges Hmm. in other words just over half or just at half just like just tipping over like 50.7 percent 51 and a half percent depending on the category Hmm. women are making up doctors so there is a major shift and to your point i think one of the most powerful shifts that needed to happen is that opportunities that were denied to women summarily because mm-hmm. they were women, mm-hmm. are now open to them. And so yeah. we're seeing the, you know, two or three generations, I think it's Title Seven, that two or three generations later, that women are taking full advantage of the opportunities. There's still a lot of inertia in the system, a lot of inertia, we call it sexism. Mm-hmm. Um, I call it inertia because it's just 
going to take a lot of energy to overcome. But as this generation of women who is dominating undergraduate and tipping the scale uh, in medical colleges, mm -hmm. as they matriculate through their careers, it will that inertia will be overcome. It yes. won't go away, but it will begin to wane significantly because you can't you can't not see these numbers. Mm -hmm. So there's a there's this demographic that men are. I think men see more opportunities for that immediate gratification, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I think women are taking advantage of doors that were kicked open in the early '70s that are now mm -hmm. beginning to bear lots of fruit. Yes. In between those and other factors we can't discuss in a 30 minute show you're yeah. getting a very clear picture mm -hmm. that women are making giant inroads into education yes. and therefore soon much um, in the workforce there's still mm -hmm. a lot of disparity there's still a lot of pay gap but mm -hmm. at least we're seeing that there was a lot of change that resulted in this education system sort of flexing yes. i think the pendulum swung too far but Maybe that's a good thing. That could be a good thing. And I was going to say one more thing, that there are more women gatekeepers now, too. And Ooh. hopefully that trend will change. Maybe that's the other reason we see the change in numbers is because we have women who are gatekeepers as well, which is so, a wonderful thing. Um, I, unlike my sister, do not have a terrible joke to offer, <laughs> but I'm going to I'm gonna throw it at you, Jamie. Do you have one today? No, I think our conversation doesn't <laughs> warrant a joke at the end. <laughs> this is a great conversation to have and a, a pensive one, and we'll continue to think about this as we move into the future. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for your time. We are Alika Hope and Change. I am Change. Alika Hope is taking a little bit of a break today. And our engineer, Jamie, has been a fantastic co-host today. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you very much. You all have a lovely day and a lovely evening. Bye-bye now. Bye now. Bye now.